where I read that passage. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourselves to prove to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word diligent means to exert yourself, work at it. Tonight, as you sit out there and just listen and, and dissect things that I'm saying, it's not where you're really exerting or working at it. You're just listening. But when you get along with the Lord and you get into the Word, that's where you're exerting. That's where you're working. You depend on the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, but you're putting in the time. You're putting in that quality time. And I've gone through this, and I'm sure you have, where you read God's Word, and you're getting nothing out of it. It's very dry, or you feel very dry. I heard someone say one time, when God's Word is dry, keep sweating over it until you get wet. And of course, that wetness is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, just opening up your eyes to just being faithful to what he's called us to do by getting into his word. Remember, God is not a God of confusion, as 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says. He is not the author of confusion. All right, let's jump into 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, hedgehogs, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Now, if you look at all those different things that we're listing right there, all of them really fall into one thing, self-centeredness. It's all about self. The enthronement of self rather than the enthronement of Jesus Christ. And Galatians 2.20 shows us that we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you and me who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And the life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loves us and gave himself for us. See, there's no doubt in that statement, is there? There's a crucifixion of ourselves with Jesus Christ. And then Galatians 5.24 says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires. Now think about the passion part. Notice the passion and desires are part of the flesh. Now not the passion and desire for Jesus and to be more like him and to be filled with his Holy Spirit. That's a good passion. But one of the things that we war against every day, and some days more than others, is our flesh with its passions and desires. Those things that draw us away from Christ and his spiritual life, that drag us away into self-enthronement. 
where we're supposed to be crucified with Christ. This is big, when we deny our flesh. And sometimes we don't figure things out. We don't understand why things are going the way they are. It may be our relationships, maybe our workplace. Whatever it is, maybe in our own, maybe right in this church, there's something that's taking place and it's throwing you off balance a little bit. Well, you've got to be careful. You've got to see what God is trying to say to you through those circumstances. And as long as you're working or walking with the Lord, you're going to be okay. But remember, sometimes you might be thrown off balance because we need to make sure we're back leaning on the Lord again. That's so important for all of us to see. All of those things in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, that I just read, is the attitude of the ages. Just think of some of the slogans that we've heard over the last 10 or 20 years. Nothing is taboo. Break all the rules. To know no boundaries. Relax, no rules here. Peel off your inhibitions, find your own road. We are all heathens allowed to do what feels good. That's what makes us human. If it feels good, do it. Grab all the gusto. Living without boundaries. Or living outside of boundaries. <laughs> Just do it. Dave Guzik, who's a Calvary Chapel pastor, says the message is the same in all these things in, that are listed in 2 Timothy 3. You make your own rules. You answer to no one. You are the one that matters. Your universe revolves around you. The power of God in it, that men will despise in the last days is the power it should have to guide their lives. Power in the sense of rightful authority. And many today deny that God has the power to tell them what to do through His Word. Today, many deny that God has the power to tell them what to do through His Word. You wonder why there's so much confusion. Think about that statement. They don't want God telling them what to do. Now, the thing that, we're, that I've been emphasizing the last message and this message is we're not surprised that the world is acting that way because they're sinners. That's the way they're supposed to act. But in the church, it should be different. And it isn't. It isn't. Going back to the billboard of uh, May 21st, one of the things in the, in the upper left corner is the big golden uh, circle that says the Bible guarantees it. The Bible guarantees it. The Bible does not guarantee that on May 21st is the rapture, rapture and the judgment of God. It doesn't do it. You will not be kept in the dark if you're a spiritual believer about the things that are coming down on this earth. God will reveal to you and to me those things he wants us to know. And the things that we can't figure out, and the things that we don't know, just hold on to all the stuff that God has shown all his promises that are yours personal. Hold on to those things. 
And no, he is God. He's our creator. He died. He rose from the dead. He's coming back just like he said. And that we're to be busy giving him glory every single day. And it doesn't matter when he comes back if we're doing our job in him. Amen? That's the main thing. A 63-year-old married woman writes to Peter Abbey to justify her adultery. She writes, he's also married. We meet once a week at a hotel for three hours of heaven. My husband knows nothing about this, and neither does my lover's wife. Sex with my husband is even better now, and it's not as though I'm denying my husband anything. I teach class at church every week, but for some reason, I feel no guilt. Now remember, this is in a church. This is not out in the world where that's the way sin is at. You know why we know that? Because we were those sinners in that world before God grabbed a hold of our hearts. And now we're separate from the world. We're still part of it, but we're separated unto God's holiness and His purity. Not to go back into the world to do those very things that cause us heartache and a disunity with Jesus Christ. We're in a relationship with Him, a tight relationship, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of His Word. It's connected. The relationship with Jesus and His Word are one. How is your knowledge and grasp of His Word today? How is it? That's a crucial question for all of us. It's very important. Two Timothy, chapter three, seven. Go down to verse ten. And remember, this is Paul writing to this young guy, Timothy. Okay, and just exhorting him, warning him, teaching him still. The same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that spoke to Paul, is speaking to you and to me. Exhorting us, convicting us, building us up in his word. So Paul says to Timothy in verse 10, But you have carefully followed my doctrine. How careful do you and I follow the doctrine that is laid out to us in his word? As mentioned last week, it is great when we come together as we're supposed to, according to the scriptures, to fellowship together. We're growing in relationships with one another and with the Lord. That's crucial. That's very important. On Wednesday, on Sunday, whenever we can get together. But remember, this is the icing on the cake. The meat is when you spend time alone with Jesus. Where you grow in your relationship with Him. Where you hear His voice and respond to And when you come here on Wednesday and Sunday, you should just be it should just be filling in and um, edifying those things you've already heard during the week yourself from the Lord. It's just adding on to those things the Lord has already shown you. Not only 
following my doctrine, but my manner of life, the example that Paul said, his purpose, his faith, his long-suffering, his love, his perseverance, the persecutions that he's been through, the afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. Very important there in what we're talking about in the last couple of weeks, that there are evil men and impostors. What's an impostor? Someone who looks like the real thing, but is deceiving you. Someone who calls himself a man of God or a woman of God, that throws out biblical things that sounds like Bible, but his purpose is to deceive, not to edify and to grow. And how do you know if such a person is on track enough? You have to talk in which to see if what's being said is true or Or you know the Word of God and you've hidden it in your life, and you know something's wrong with somebody speaking that's contrary to God's Word or twisting the Scriptures. And notice in verse 13, these people will grow worse and worse, deceiving, Notice people that are deceived in what's happening to them. They're being deceived. It's coming right back to them. As they're deceiving others, they themselves are being deceived. Verse 14, that you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Notice the emphasis again on God's Word. Understanding what you've read. And what do the Holy Scriptures enabling you to do? They are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, and the woman of God, and the teenager of God, and the child of God, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you leave here tonight and all the lights are out, and there's a policeman directing you to the light, and he's waving everybody down there. Pastor Joe is right next to him, and he's pointing the opposite direction from the light. Who would you follow? Now, you've got to pretend that Pastor Joe is not a policeman. Yeah, you've got to pretend he's not a policeman right now. It's just Pastor Joe. So, there's two guys out there. There's a policeman waving towards the light. Pastor Joe is waving you the other way. Which way do you go? Fill in some more of the mystery here, but which way would you go? And why would you go that way? Now, more of the story is at the light that's not working, 
There's a sinkhole. There's a sinkhole. And every car that goes that way is falling hundreds of feet into the earth. Being destroyed, lies being taken. You don't know this, you just see two people. One pointing that way, a person in authority, and a policeman is one. Tell me to go that way. Then you have Pastor Joe pointing me the other way. You have a choice which way you go. Which way would you go and why? Extreme example of what's happening in the church today. There are people in authority that are telling you to go a certain way and do certain things. And because there are people in authority, people are listening. But remember what you and I are compared to in the scriptures? Sheep. And I hate to insult your intelligence, but sheep are dumb. If one goes off a cliff, they all go off a cliff. But the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. If you are a child of God, if you are in His Word, you will hear His voice and follow Him and not be led to destruction. The word apostate is the person who forsakes his religion or a cause or a party. Goes against what he normally believed in. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. There's a day that's coming according to God's word that people who say they believe are going to fall away from the faith. That's a pretty, pretty heavy statement. Who are those people that are going to fall away? My belief is going to be those people who don't have a working knowledge of God's Word. They're hearers of the Word, but they're not doers. They don't diligently study God's Word. It hasn't become their life nutrition, their spiritual nutrition. They fall into self-enthronement rather than Christ-enthronement. Remember what John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There are people in the pulpit that will say, well, all roads lead to God. As long as you believe in a God, it's okay. Well, that's not according to the 
God of the Bible. The Jesus of the Scriptures doesn't say that. Our Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by me, through me. And our God also says, in Matthew 25, 46, that these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There are churches that say, well, a loving God would never send anybody to eternal punishment. Maybe it's just temporary punishment, but it's not an eternal punishment. But they're calling God of the Bible a liar if they say that. It doesn't line up with God's Word. And you can see it throughout the Old and the New Testament that there is a place of everlasting torment to those people who are dying in their sins that never have embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Has God truly said these things? Well, yes, it's evidence in the Scriptures. Isaiah 64, 7 says, And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. May that be never said of you or me. May that be never said. That let us be those people that call on his name, that are stirred up to take hold of Jesus every single day, and never take it for granted. Remember, don't go by your feelings in any particular day. Don't go by your feelings. Your feelings will take you out, right? Don't go by that. Just be faithful to read His Word, to talk to Him, to follow what He's showing you through His Holy Spirit. Don't take days off. Don't take any days off in your relationship with Jesus Christ. The thing that really hit me in the study of this um, message to you was how many times in the scriptures that the religious leaders were the ones in their confronting Jesus and in their interaction with Jesus that they were so way off base. And we looked at it a little bit last week, but in Matthew 22, 29, Jesus answered these religious leaders and said to them, You're mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Think about that. It's one thing with the unchurched. It's one thing with those people who don't know the scriptures. But here were these Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were supposed to be disciplined students of the scriptures. And yet, in them trying to trick the Lord, the Lord's reply to them in one instance was, You're mistaken. You don't know the scriptures. You don't know what is said right here in, this, in my word. You don't understand. And remember when Jesus wept on the Mount of Olives. He wept because they didn't recognize who he was, even though it was written in the scriptures. <clears throat> One day when the rapture comes, and there's people left behind, how many of those dear people are going to be people who thought they knew his word? They thought they had a relationship with Jesus. But they didn't. <laughs> That's a frightening thought. None of us want to be in that position. Nor do we want people we know in that position. But yet there's an ignorance in, of God's Word. And God, I believe, is calling us to be greater students of His Word. If you stay in 2 Timothy and just flip over to uh, chapter 4, Verse 1. 
I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, and itching ears is it desirous of hearing something pleasant? They're desirous of hearing something pleasant, something that feels good. We're happy here when we feel good. But you know what? We're also real happy when the Holy Spirit shows you something that you need to know to keep you on the path of one day meeting Jesus face to face without fear or trembling, where you can embrace him and not fall at his feet in fear. That's, that's huge for all of us, right? What a shame it would be if you were not being fed God's word here, thought you were being, thought you were saved, thought you were growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus but you were being faked out. What a terrible thing that is. But I, or Pastor Joe, or Pastor Anthony, or any of the elders who come up here to teach, yeah, we'd be deceiving you, but we too would be deceiving ourselves. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and remember God's word is truth, and be turned aside to fables. But you... Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Remember, there are thousands and thousands of churches that are off base. Please understand that. They're not teaching sound doctrine. They're not rightly dividing the Word of God. And people are being deceived. You and I need to be alert to that because they might be the very ones who come to you one day and ask you questions. It might happen on May 22nd. That could be an instance. That could be an example of a day. Because one of the things, this whole thing about the Bible guarantees it, what happens if all those things don't happen? Does people's faith in God's Word diminish? Because it didn't happen? I believe it will with some people. They say, well, nothing happened last time. And who benefits from that? The enemy of your soul and my soul. The enemy. The father of lies, where there's no truth in him. He doesn't care if he deceives someone who has the podium. He doesn't care if they buy into a lie. As long as it's getting out to congregations and people are thrown off, I don't know if you listen to the Bible, I don't want to hear about that end time stuff. Look, nothing happened. Didn't it happen 16 years ago, 17 years ago? It didn't happen May 21st? This is all the book. It doesn't matter. There's nothing in here that was relevant thousands of years ago. Well, who would love the world to believe that? 
none other than Satan himself. Remember, the strategy he has never changed. He's got the same demo. Has God really said that? Does he really mean what he says? How come he's delaying his coming? How come he's not back yet? Well, one of the reasons is you and me. If he had come back 20, 30, 40 years ago, where would you be? If he came back 10 years ago, where would some of you be? If he came back two years ago, a year ago, before you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, where would you be? But he's long suffering. Are we? Do we have long suffering that Jesus says, I know I don't. I would have cried the world hundreds of times already in my lifetime. <laughs> and so, we'll see you guys. So, but thank God I'm not God and you're not God. Johnny 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seem to kill me. Now remember, he's talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to the religious leaders again. He's not talking to the prostitutes and the tax collectors, those who have embraced him. He's talking to those who have, or supposed to have, a knowledge of his word. But remember, knowledge that's up here, that doesn't reach down here, is useless. There's no heart behind the knowledge that God gives us. We're like that clanging symbol. It's empty. But when the Word of God is mixed with the love of God, there's power in it. God uses that in a mighty way. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. Why? Because my Word has no place in you. My word has no place in you. But yet you and I, right, we're told to hide his word where? In our heart. Why? So we won't sin against him. Do you have a knowledge of God's word? Do you know the scriptures? Will you know if you're being faked out or not? The Bible tells us, warns us, to be ready in season and out, are you in mind? That the times are perilous, the end times are perilous, things are going to happen that if were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Are you ready? Do you have a working knowledge of the scriptures? If you don't have a Bible, take the one that's right in front of you. Just take it. It's not stable. See, mine's the way I remember years ago. When I was in my 20s, I went to a hotel room and started getting the Bible in there. And I wanted it so bad. I said, I can't steal the Bible. I can't steal it from the drawer and take it home and be stealing the Bible. I can't steal the Bible. <laughs> Not knowing that it was there for the taking. If you don't have a Bible, just take the one that's right in front of you. Take two of them and give one away. But don't. Don't not have a this target. Take one of the scriptures. Take a Bible if you don't have it. Verse 39, the answer is said to him, but Abraham, I'm sorry, verse uh, 38, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. 
They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus answered, If God was your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself. But he said, Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me? Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. Before I wrap up with some of the hate crimes, I just want to read one more thing to you from Matthew 13, 47. It goes right along with this, especially the confusion in the churches today. Verse 47 of Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but through the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angel will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In the churches today, there's seducers, there's that gold ore that has impurities in it, there's the chaff and all the wheat. There are persecutions going on throughout the world. Because people are born again Christians. But understand, there's also corruption going on within the churches. There's persecution, but there's also corruption right within the churches. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What was the key? Abiding in his word. How can you abide in his word when you don't know? It's ignorance. My people perish for lack of knowledge. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Where's Pilate today? Remember what he said to Jesus? What is truth? And Jesus is the way that you can know. That's being confronted with the truth and not embracing it. His word is truth. Has God truly Said, as God really said, what He's laid down in the scriptures. I think the evidence that He lays out demands a verdict. Have you made your verdict? Do you really believe with all your heart everything that's in the scriptures and everything that God says has and will happen? The word hate. Definition is to feel hostility or animosity towards someone or something. To detest, 
to feel dislike or distaste for something. Example, I hate washing dishes. That's mildly compared to things that have taken place since you and I have been alive. Think of the hate it took to fly two planes into the Twin Towers. Think of that. Think of the torture of Christians over in the Sudan. Missionaries. Killing missionaries. Think of the hate behind that. Now, the people that are doing that, are they the ones with the hate? Or have they been deceived by the Father of lies? Or do they know they're doing His bidding? Before I close and go back to what I opened up with, with the Son of God, just that question. Did you ever think of some of the paradoxes of the cross of Jesus Christ? It was the greatest event in history, while at the same time it was the worst event in history. It's the greatest event, the greatest event for you and me. But the worst event, because here was God Himself being killed by His own creation. It was the greatest act of love. But at the same time, it was also the greatest act of hate. All the anger, all the hate was thrown on Him. For you and for me, though, that was the greatest act of love. Jesus came into the world that we could go into heaven. Jesus was born in the flesh so that we could be born in the spirit. Jesus was born of a woman that we may be born of God. Jesus became the son of man so that we may be sons and daughters of God. Jesus accepted poverty that we may be made rich. Jesus was rejected of men that we may be accepted of God. Jesus became a man of sorrows that we may rejoice and be glad. Last night we had a meeting at the church and one of the things that really stuck with me is what one of the couple of the pastors were talking about. And in Ezekiel 33, 11, Said, it says, Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? What was the greatest hate crimes? What comes to your mind? Is it the Twin Towers? Is it Hitler? And the Jewish concentration camps was it Jeffrey Dahmer? Was it uh, Solomon Bonnie? Well, understand the greatest act of hate ever was on God. That was the greatest act of hate. And is Osama bin Laden right now in the fires of hell? Did one of the seals? 
given the gospel before he went into eternity? Were some of those seals praying as they knew they were going into the compound or the house? Were they praying for this man? Were there soldiers back in the barracks that knew what was going on wherever they were praying? Not only for the men, but for a life that was going to go into eternity. What was your feeling and my feeling when you found out that Osama bin Laden's life was taken? Well, according to the scriptures, God didn't take any pleasure in his death. He was one of his creations. That's a very hard thing to swallow. Is war just? Someone came into my house tonight to harm my family. Would I kill them? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. To protect my loved ones. And we were protecting our country. We were protecting our loved ones. But, do we pray for the terrorists that are out there today? There's a son of a Hamas leader who's a born-again believer who's gone throughout our country sharing his testimony and what God did in his life. So let's make no mistake that there is an enemy of all the souls of people on this earth. Our enemy is Satan and his demons. And through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and through the love of God, ministered through us to our enemies, hearts can change. But a heart can't change until the heart that's doing the praying is captured and surrendered to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray right now for anybody here that you've touched their heart in the sense of becoming more serious with